give it a shot. The Alexandria Times encourages all residents to get the COVID-19 vaccine to protect yourself and your community. Visit the City of Alexandria's website at alexandriava.gov slash vaccines to set up a vaccine appointment now. Hello, and welcome to Speakeasy. My name is Cody Mellicline. I'm the editor at the Alexandria Times. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by Assistant City Manager and Legislative Director for the City of Alexandria, Sarah Taylor. If you don't know her name or her face, you are probably well aware of a lot of the work she has done in the city because she has done a lot of work. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I appreciate you being here. Cody, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And so I know we have a lot to touch on here, uh, kind of tracking your journey to, to Alexandria and the work you've done in the city itself. Tell me a little bit, I guess, about how you came to Alexandria, because I know you're not originally from this area. You kind of came to it in your own way. What was your journey like to, uh, to get to this place? Uh, my journey to get to Alexandria and then back to Alexandria is a little convoluted and it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. Sure. Um, but I, I went to college in Richmond. I'm from Connecticut originally. Uh, went to college in Richmond, wanted to go to college far enough away from home that my parents couldn't just show up, um, but close enough that I could get home if uh, something happened or I needed to get home. Um, and so eight hours to Richmond seemed like a really good uh, distance. And it was also a school where I could do a lot of different things that at the time I was very interested. In. It was a state capital, so I could be involved in um, you know, political science in a state capital, as well as a big city for municipal sure. government. Um, I was recruited to run track there, so I could run track. I was um, I was able to sing um, in with like the small, com competitive is not the right word, but sort of the select um, group um, yeah. on campus. And you know, it, I had gone to a very small high school. Richmond was a small school um, at the time, and so it was an it was easier transition for me than going to a very big school. And so I wound up in Richmond and um, and loved it and went back to Connecticut to go to grad school and went to grad school with the intent of being a city manager, um, which sort of you know starts the clue into yeah. how Sarah got where she was. But I got to stuff like public personnel administration and land use planning and was like, hmm, maybe this isn't exactly what I want to <laughs> do, but it was close. Um, and so went on to, to do uh, various and sundry things, but generally in the areas of, of communications and, um, and public engagement and um, had been working at a nonprofit and saw a job listing for a job here in the city of Alexandria. And I was like, hmm, maybe that communications job with the city of Alexandria is a little closer to where I want to be. And so applied for it and managed to get the job and um, was working for the office of historic Alexandria doing their public information work. Okay. Um, and then um, wound up moving into the, the main public information office for the city and just really loved doing sort of that public information, public engagement, um, you know, letting the community know what the city was doing, um, being proactive in talking about the city's work, but also being, um, you know, responsive to you know, citizen inquiries and concerns in the city. Um, so really loved that work and um, had no intention of leaving um, except my ex-husband got a really great opportunity in San Francisco that we really couldn't turn down. And as much as I hated to leave, I, I did. And so always sort of thought about the city of Alexandria over the years mm -hmm. and, and really um, you know, had enjoyed my time here and made my way through several different uh, careers and husbands and you know, new husbands and uh, moves and um, was out in Oklahoma working, uh, doing uh, legislative work for the, um, the minority caucus, the Democratic caucus in the Oklahoma State Senate. Um, and uh, that is a caucus at the time of seven members of a 48-member yeah. body. Um, so it was a fun challenge um, and really loved the work that I was doing out there. Um, you know, was, was working on some really great um, issues with some really great members and, and happened to find myself at a conference where um, a, a member of the Virginia uh, General Assembly who also works for the city of Alexandria, who's one of my oldest friends, um, told me that the city's legislative director was retiring. And I was like, that's crazy. Bernie's been with the city for 25, 26, 28 years. Like, that's crazy. I can't believe he's leaving. He's like, you should apply. I was like, that is also crazy. Like, <laughs> why would they hire me? Like, I've never, I haven't worked in the general assembly since I was an intern in 1997. I haven't worked for the city in 15 plus years. Like that's crazy and adorable and would be really fun, but there's no way they would hire sure. me. And I didn't apply for it. And then several uh, things, you know, happened. They hired somebody that, that, that hire fell through. Um, it got back on my radar that the job 
envelope was open again. And I was like, you know what? I feel like the universe is telling me something here. And, um, and I applied for it. And, um, and I still think they're kind of crazy for hiring me. Um, but they took a flyer on me and I, I got the job, um, like two weeks before legislative session started in 2018 and, um, sold my, you know, talked to my husband, you know, and my kids and said, is this something we want to do? Do we want to move across the country? Do we want to go someplace new? And everybody sort of said, yeah, let's do this. Um, and, uh, I sold our truck and bought a commuter (laughs) car, um, and packed it up and drove two days straight, pretty much through to Richmond to get there two days before the general assembly session started. And, um, basically my predecessor showed up and said, here's your office. Here's the general assembly building. Here's the five members of our delegation. Good luck. And, um, and I sort of figured it out as I went along and, um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a, I mean, I, I tell, I can't believe that I, when I look at my resume, it says I've had a 25 year career in anything. Um, but it's sort of been a weird combination of politics and policy, um, legislative process and, um, communications, local government sort of at its core. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this job sort of combines all of those things in a really great place that I love to work, um, with really great people who I love to work with in a community that I really enjoy serving. Um, and it's really been a great fit for me. It's been a great fit for my family. Um, it's been a great move and a, a great choice. And it's, I, I couldn't be happier, um, you know, with this, with this gig and the, the work I get to do. Yeah, I mean, I I get the sense from kind of your intro into at least returning to Alexandria that you started off sort of in the middle of a whirlwind because you started off so close to General Assembly session. And I get the sense that it has not slowed down much since then. It really hasn't. No, I mean, there's not, you know, people joke all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't think they joke, actually. People ask me all the time, well, what do you do when you're not in session? And it's like, well, that's when all the other sure. work gets done. Yeah. You know, that's when we, you know, that's when we implement stuff that we were able to, you know, get authority to do. That's when we plan for the next year. That's when, you know, I get lots of other duties as assigned, um, you know, as, you know, as somebody who's, you know, here in the city manager's office, you know, I tend to get other duties as assigned and which is great. And I love to be you know involved in all the you know all the good work that the city's doing or you know implementing some authority that we've been granted by the general assembly or figuring out how to how to solve a problem that we haven't quite figured out yet you know that's the work mm-hmm. during the interim and yeah i mean from that first session um you know where i you know and then and then showing back showing up here in alexandria when it was done um you know to sort of you know meet all the people and do all the work and start putting it all together um you know never mind coming out of you know session in you know, in 2020 and immediately jumping into a pandemic and yeah. you know, jumping into a you know local government pandemic environment. Um, I mean, this job really is, um, it is all, um, it is all encompassing. It is, you know, it is incredibly intense. It is, uh, the word I use to describe session is unrelenting. Um, I get to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, I get to be a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really get to be involved in a lot of things that the city is doing, um, working to, to provide additional, you know, authority for the city to do more things, um, to serve, you know, to serve the community, um, and really get at, you know, the, the core of, you know, good government and government delivery of services, um, to the community. And, you know, really that's what's at its heart, but yeah, it's, um, it is intense and it is, um, but it's, it's great. And, you know, uh, you know, the, there's that line, you know, when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Like it's sure. not that, like I definitely work. <laughs> um, but you know, when you really love what you do, you know, you don't mind how hard it is and you don't mind how intense it is and you don't mind all the hours and the, you know, the effort that goes into it. And, uh, luckily I have a really, you know, fabulous husband and some very, uh, you know, um, uh, children who are, uh, who allow me to do this and, you know, perhaps sure. we'll be in therapy one day for it, all of it, but, um, you know, they're going to be in therapy for something anyway, it might as well be this. Well, we're, we all should be in therapy, I think. Amen. Um, I do want to rewind a little bit because obviously uh, local politics has been at the core of what you have been doing and what you've wanted to do, it sounds like, since college and probably before, even though it took you a little while to kind of understand the specific angle you wanted to come at it from. I'm curious if this was like a world you were always interested in, even as a kid, were you like on student council, were you kind of volunteering and getting out in the community when you were a kid? I guess, when did this sort of fascination with politics, I guess, lowercase politics sort of start for you? 
I don't know exactly when it started, um, but I can point to like several instances when I was a kid uh, where I sort of stumbled my way into this world okay. that I keep stumbling my way back into. Like I remember being um, in, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade and the Connecticut uh, legislature had a bill where they were going to stop funding uh, nurses in parochial schools. And I went to St. Anthony of Padua, uh, you know, elementary school. And all of a sudden we weren't going to have a nurse that was paid for with, you know, with tax dollars. And I remember somehow getting clued into this and being like, that's ridiculous. Like, why should my school not have a school nurse? Um, you know, my parents pay taxes, you know, we all, you know, like, why shouldn't we get the you know public health supports of a school nurse? And so, you know, wrote up some testimony and my mom drove me to Hartford and I went and testified in front of a, of a committee. And, you know, that being sort of one of the, the first like real uh, you know, real opportunities where I sort of put myself out there in this universe. But I think it was just sort of around me to some degree. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were a bunch of people who went to my church who were on um, on city council. And so, you know, I would go help them knock doors. You know, they were people I liked and I wanted to help keep doing this thing, um, you know, that seemed to you know be good and was working, you know, for our city. So I'd go knock doors for them or I'd help them at a pasta supper or, you know, I'd go march in a parade for them. Um, you know, when I was a kid and it wasn't ever anything, my parents didn't do it. My parents weren't yeah. out knocking doors and marching in parades, but like little Sarah was out there marching in parades and knocking doors for um, people. I remember one day I was home sick from school and the woman who was our, um, our equivalent of a, a delegate knocked on our door. And I remember talking to her for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes on our doorstep and, and, you know, just really being just fascinated by what she was doing and pretty sure I didn't ever want to run for office, but the idea that there were people out there doing this was just so sure. interesting to me and sort of figuring out my relationship to that, um, you know, to that environment was really, um, it's kind of the, the, the evolution that I made, um, over time is, you know, how, so if I'm not going to run for office, how do I engage with that, you know, that effort? And it's been everything from, uh, you know, like I said, knocking doors and, and, you know, and doing pasta suppers for, you know, city council candidates to, you know, volunteering on campaigns to doing it for, you know, for fun and profit to, you know, to working um, with local governments who are, you know, dealing with legislators who want to, you know, either, uh, you know, give them authority or take authority mm -hmm. away, or it's sort of been a, I don't know that I can point to any one specific thing. I mean, I was like, I was the president of my eighth grade class, but it was because uh, I decided we were going to have a president of our class and, and ran for it. And it was me, but like in high school, I wasn't like president of the class. I think I was vice president of national honor society. Um, and, uh, and like, I went to girls state, but like, I didn't run for anything. I went to like, I did stuff like that, but it was sort of, I didn't quite know where I wanted to be in it. And so it was hard for me to sort of like cement that place. Like this is Sarah, like, sure. I, like the girl who was the president of my high school class is now a member of the Connecticut general assembly. Um, mm. Like that wasn't, I knew that wasn't me. Um, so sort of figuring out that track over time has been, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a late bloomer, um, you know, congratulations on your 40 under 40, but I was never going to get 40 it. under 40 because I was not, you know, I did not get to that place until, you know, much later in my life. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's been a long, uh, evolution and I really feel like this gig here sort of combines all of the things that I am best at, all of the things that I love the most, all of the, you know, makes every minute of investment in what I do worth it. Um, and uh, it's really just been a great, you know, great fit for me and um, something I just enjoy doing every day. Definitely. But before we talk a little bit about Alexandria, I think I want to kind of zoom forward, I guess, a little bit from from your early days and, and focus on your experience in the Oklahoma State Senate. As, as I believe you ended up serving as the chief of staff for the Democratic caucus there for about Five years or so, something like um, that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to talk about this experience mostly because I know it sounds like it was quite sort of foundational for a lot of the work you did end up doing here, but also because it, by virtue of what you mentioned before, it it was a super minority that you were the chief of staff for, and so I, I get the sense that that was probably a very unique experience in this kind of state level politics field. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, the work you did with the Democratic Caucus and what it was like working for a, like a political body that was really just like six or seven members compared to kind of the majority. 
Sure. Absolutely. I mean, it was a, um, it was a, a, a super unique gig. I mean, it was, um, I mean, I was chief of staff to the, to the, the democratic caucus in the state Senate, but I was the only staff to the democratic okay. caucus in the state Senate. So I was, um, I was our, I worked on, I did our policy agenda. I did our communications. I was, um, you know, I was the counselor. I was the cheerleader. I was the whip on the floor. I was, I was physically on the floor with them during session, you know, helping to manage the, you know, what was going on, what questions got asked, you know, what, what, what we did or didn't do who said what, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was very, um, it was, it was incredibly hands-on. Um, I did. And then I also worked on the political side and I worked on, you know, incumbent protection. I wrote, you know, I, I worked on recruiting candidates to run for state Senate, which let me tell you in Oklahoma, (laughs) it's quite a challenge getting people to convince people to run for off, you know, run as a Democrat, you know, in, in such a challenging environment. Um, so, um, so it was just a combination of things. But what I think is extra unique about that position is um, you served at the pleasure of the pro tem. So the Republican uh, leader in the Senate was technically who hired you and had the authority to fire you. Um, and the goal with that was to have someone who was not just um, there as a political hack to, you know, to, uh, you know, to deal with their caucus, but was really there for the, the, the health and the welfare of the body as a whole, Mm -hmm. and that you did your work on behalf of your caucus, but that you always did it through the lens of the, of the body as a whole. And so, um, you know, sometimes that meant, you know, having relationships with, you know, with folks, especially in leadership and negotiating deals on how we would do the work of the minority in a way that got our point across, but also sort of didn't, uh, you know, didn't cause a whole, you know, fear in the, um, in the, the body. Um, I can remember one time, uh, for example, there was a, um, piece of legislation had something that had to do with um, the LGBTQ community and it was fairly mm-hmm. offensive. And, um, you know, instead of causing a whole, uh, you know, uproar about it, we basically made a deal where they were going to, you know, the member was going to present the resolution. They weren't going to read it. They weren't, there wasn't going to be a roll call vote. It was just going to be, you put your resolution up, it got, you know, it, it passed. It's done. We're not going to do speeches about it. You're not going to give a speech. We're not going to give a speech. It's going to happen. It's going to happen with the least, um, you know, amount of big deal as possible. And that's, you know, that's how we're going to deal with, you know, things like that. Um, and so there was a lot of that about negotiating how we operated as a minority and got our point across, um, while also sort of, you know, being grown ups about it. You know, my, my boss used to always tell me that you can disagree without being disagreeable. Um, mm-hmm. and that was very much how we sort of looked at our role as the minority. And again, with, with six or seven members of a 48 member body, you were not going to get anything done. Um, unless you sort of worked across the aisle, found, you know, convenient bedfellows to, to get your work done. Um, but also it was about embracing the role of the minority and getting my caucus um, some of whom had been in the majority, um, to embrace the role of the minority and to understand it and to embrace it and to 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 advocate for it. And that was the idea that you were there to ask hard questions, you were there to shine light on dark spaces, and you were there to hold people accountable. And that that was your role. And you weren't gonna you weren't gonna press your agenda, you weren't gonna get your bill done necessarily. But what you were gonna do was either make really bad things less bad, um, or at least ask the hard questions so that when it was all said and done, you, um, you know, all the hard questions had been asked, all the, the dark spaces had been, been opened up and the, you know, the, the public, the community, um, you know, the, the media, everyone out there had, you made it clear what was, re- what was going mm-hmm. on here and that you, you know, you went down swinging and that was our, that was our, our role. And yeah, I mean, it was a, it was, I think you're right. I think it was very foundational um, to the work that I do today. And if not the specific work that I do today, sort of the tack that I take in doing the work that I do. Um, You know, I would never have thought that some of the issues that I get to advocate for on behalf of the city of Alexandria would be things that I would ever be talking about um, in, they would never be things I'd be talking about in Oklahoma. Um, That being said, the way I approach the work that I do is very clearly advised by the work that I did in Oklahoma. And the idea that you worked to um, to find consensus. You worked to um, to build um, to bring together stakeholders to answer questions. To um, you know to really um, 
you know, to, to find um, unusual partners on issues yeah. um, and to, you know, to do that in a way, again, where you might disagree with people, but you're not disagreeable about it. You know, there are issues that I'm, that I, you know, on behalf of the city, I'm never going to agree with some other folks on. That doesn't mean that we can't find common ground on certain other things um, and work together on, you know, on things in the future. And so that's really been my, you know, that idea that, you know, that, that these, the relationships that you build and the, um, the way that you leverage them and the way that you communicate with people, um, is, you know, is, is very much based on, you know, the work that I did in Oklahoma and, um, and something that I've really tried to continue to do here, even in a more favorable, you know, political environment, even in a place where, you know, we're, we don't have to, you know, ask, uh, you know, potentially work as hard for what we're working on just because it is also the the agenda and the priorities of the of the majority party here. Yeah, it was it was fun hard work in Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, my bo- I have lots of folksy sayings from my time in Oklahoma, but one of the things that my boss told me, he said, you know, Sarah, the 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 pope doesn't send missionaries to the Vatican. Um, and you know, that was the thing about being in Oklahoma was you were, you really felt like you were a missionary in a, you know, in a land of, you know, of people who didn't believe the same way you did. And you were just trying to get them to, um, to, you know, if not believe the same thing you did, at least understand where you were coming from. And I think that's something that, you know, that I definitely bring here is, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me, but if they can at least understand where I'm coming from and I can understand where they're coming from, you know, we can try and figure out a way to sort of meet there, um, in some common ground. You, you alluded to it and I think you're right. I'm sort of curious what strategically and like procedurally you would have to do to like actually, as you said, like ask the hard questions and actually get your fulfill on some level the agenda and policies that you would want to push in a situation like that. I imagine you had to get pretty creative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it was doing just the, you know, the the hard work, you know, it was doing the research, figuring out what the right questions to ask were, figuring out who should ask them in what place, you know, is it something you want to ask in a committee meeting, you know, very early on in the process? Is it something you want to wait and, and, and hold for the floor in, you know, sort of a more, um, you know, more public environment? Is it something that you want um, a specific member with a specific, you know, either uh, a specific lived experience or a specific professional Mm -hmm. experience to ask? Um, You know, is it something that you want to, um, uh, you know, that you want to do, you know, some sort of procedural fund with, you know, do you want to put an amendment on a bill to make the point that you're trying to make, um, you know, for example, uh, members of the, of the majority in, in Oklahoma have a really uh, bad habit of passing just blatantly unconstitutional bills, um, knowing they're going to get struck down by the court, but doing it for, to make the point that they're trying to make. And, Sure, I, I yeah. guess you can do that, but it costs money to defend an unconstitutional bill, and it costs you know resources. And in a state that you know that wasn't exactly rolling in uh, revenue, um, just seemed like a real waste of of taxpayer dollars. And so we had a a, a, a standard amendment that we had drafted that whenever we had a bill that we were fairly certain was going to be found unconstitutional, we would uh, try to place on the bill. And it said that if this bill was found to be unconstitutional, that the patron had to pay for the defense of the of the, the legislation um, out of their roads money. Um, so it was sort of a put your money where your mouth is. Like, yeah. you want to play this game? Like, cool, you can play the game, but it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you in a way that costs your constituents who are ultimately your voters, who you are ultimately accountable to. Sure. Um, and the, the amendment never got, you know, and never worked, you know, it never got on, put on a bill and the bill got found unconstitutional and somebody had to pay for it out of their roads money. But the fact of the matter was that by filing that amendment, by somebody, by some reporter seeing that amendment, by somebody talking about that amendment, um, you know, we made the point that these unconstitutional bills are, you know, they're, you're, you're, you're doing it for show. And I get that you're doing it for show, but ultimately there is a cost and it is cost to taxpayers and it's cost to taxpayers when we're arguing about, you know, you know, how much we should pay teachers who are striking, um, you know, how much we should, you know, what should we cut taxes when, you know, our you know, bridges are, you know, foundationally unsafe all across the state. You know, I mean, it, it was a, like you said, you know, when you're in the minority, you have to understand the rules and figure out ways to use the rules to your benefit. Um, and so whether that was, you know, tacking an amendment on that you knew wasn't going to go anywhere, but, you know, you made your point, um, or, uh, you know, asking, you know, asking hard questions or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, holding a press conference afterwards to, you know, to remind folks of, you know, the point that you were trying to make on the floor and, you know, circle back up on it. Um, again, we tried to do it in a way that was, um, that was productive, 
Um, we generally, I mean, we didn't have the, the manpower to really slow down the process. Um, you know, there was no filibuster. There was sure, no way yeah. to just, you know, to just stand in the way of, of what was going on. Um, but taking any opportunity we could to make those points um, and to, um, and to make people answer the questions. And, um, and that was, you know, that was something that we really were very, very focused on. But yeah, it's, it was something that, you know, that, that, that understanding of process, that understanding of procedure, that, you know, figuring out ways that you could, um, that you could insert yourself in the process Mm -hmm. um, is, is certainly something that, you know, that I continue to do um, here, you know, with, with local government, because, you know, local governments, you know, we are not the first people that, you know, get listened to on lots of, um, yeah. of issues. You know, there are lots of big issues that have impacts on local government, um, but they're not, we're not the first ones who are going to get, you know, asked, you know, how we feel about a bill. Um, so figuring out ways um, to, um, you know, to sort of insert yourself in the process to, to, you know, to ask questions, to engage with, um, with other stakeholders, to get yourself heard and to be part of the process. Um, you know, I think that's sort of a, a solid, healthy hangover from my, um, you know, from my days working, um, with the minority caucus in um, in Oklahoma and that, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about getting the work done. Sure. Um, it kind of doesn't matter how it gets done. It's just about getting out there and doing the work again, folksy Oklahoma sayings, you know, my boss used to say, it's not, you know, when you're, when you get out to mow the lawn, doesn't matter if you do it up and down or back and forth or in circles or in cross hatches, all that matters is if you get out there and push. Um, and you know, that's, that's a, a big part of, you know, about, of, you know, what we've got to do is just get out there and push. And I think that, that that's perhaps a, a logical transition to talking about Alexandria and your experience here. Obviously, you joined, so you came back to the city in 2018 as as the legislative director, um, and that's probably the role most people are familiar with you inhabiting here. Um, when you came on, and you sort of alluded to this because obviously you came from a state where you were operating as in, in a very super minority. You came and you came into working with the city. And with the General Assembly at a particular, particularly interesting transition for Virginia, politically. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like coming in at that point, and I guess how the how the political environment differed from what you had been dealing with in Oklahoma. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think the I think one of the interesting things, um, you know, coming from Oklahoma to here is even though um, it was a uh, you know, there was a Republican majority in the General Assembly, um, you know, when I got here, um, it was a very different kind of Republican majority. Um, It was much less um, uh, kind of uh, socially um, focused. Um, you know, there weren't, I mean, when I was in Oklahoma, we were dealing with, you know, uh, you know, uh, trans bathroom bills and, you know, and just really, really, um, you know, uh, lots of, you know, LGBTQ bills, lots of gun bills, um, you know, lots of, lots of abortion bills. Um, and, and not just sort of the, you know, you know, working on the edges, but like, you know, legislation to abolish abortion in, you know, in Oklahoma and to make it, you know, illegal to have an abortion in Oklahoma, to make it, you know, it was incredibly socially focused. And so to come here where there was a, a Republican majority, but it, it was, it was much less, um, you know, hard, uh, hard, socially focused, um, that was something that was, was interesting to me and that you, you know, that you could, um, you know, because the majority was so close in some cases, you could do some things that were, you know, that were slightly progressive, um, and, and make some progress here, um, even with, uh, with a Republican majority. I mean, they, they passed Medicaid expansion, um, you know, here in Virginia with a, a Republican majority, um, you know, but not, you know, it took a, it took a, a, a ballot, uh, initiative in Oklahoma to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, that was something that was really um, interesting to me. It was just the difference in the way, um, you know, the, the, the priorities of the majority, um, you know, here versus there. The flip side of that was the fact that Alexandria is seen as a very, blue, yes. very progressive locality <laughs> yeah. with some of the most progressive, you know, legislators, um, you know, as our, um, in our delegation, you know, we did sort of have to balance that, you know, that, um, you know, this, this thing that we're asking for is non is, you know, is, is fairly, uh, you know, nonpartisan, 
but with a very partisan, uh, you know, patron from a very sure. part, you know, blue part of the of the Commonwealth. You know, there was a lot of uh, of balancing of of that um, that first year, um, and you know, the perception of you know Alexandria as very progressive, very wealthy, um, and very um, you know very hyper partisan. You know, was something that when we were dealing with, for example, um, the CSO uh, mandates and trying to yeah. get some money from the legislature for our CSO uh, project. Um, you know, sort of get making that, again, that idea that, you know, educating um, folks about the realities of the situation, you know, at, and sort of flipping the, the minority thing on, on it, you know, at, you know, telling them that, you know, asking them hard questions about, you know, about what they were doing, you know, shining light on sort of the things that they might not know about our community and, you know, and, and, and making that, you know, making those, um, and making that information, you know, accessible to members in a way that is, you know, is, is easy to, um, you know, for them to digest and, and having, and building relationships that you can use over time. Um, and whether they're, you know, from Northern Virginia or the rest of Virginia, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, um, you know, all that relationship building piece of it um, is something that over time has been really valuable. But yeah, but the shift in the General Assembly, you know, since I've been here has been swift yeah, and has been so. um, and has been significant. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that I really um, took away from my experience in um, in Oklahoma that I've sort of advised my my work here is that, you um, is that voters are people and people are unpredictable and um, all of this can change in a, in a minute. And so you take advantage of what you have before you and you, and you use the opportunities that are available to you to do as much as you can when you can. Um, but also um, being very thoughtful about, um, about how you use the political capital that you have available to you, what you use it for, um, you know, we are incredibly lucky in Alexandria that we have members in our delegation um, in the leadership. You know, we have mm-hmm. the, you know, the floor leader in the House. She's also the, you know, Delegate Herring is also the chair of the Judiciary Committee. You know, Senator Sazlaw is the chair of, of Commerce and Labor. He's also the, you know, the, the, the leader, um, you know, in the, in the Senate. You know, Senator Barker is the chair of a committee. Adam Evans, um, you know, on the Money Committee. Um, you know, we're really, really lucky that we have an incredibly influential um, and powerful uh, delegation, but being thoughtful about how we use our, our limited political capital with them, um, what we ask them for, what we ask them to go to bat for on our behalf, um, knowing that not only are they serving us um, as, as part of their delegation, but also that they have to sort of look at not about their political, uh, you know, positioning of their caucus, political positioning of, you know, to, to maintain the majority and that they might not be able to do everything they've, just like we might not get to whatever, everything we, you know, want in our, you know, bag of progressive, you know, wish list. Sure. But they also might not be able to do all the things in their, you know, on their progressive wish list right away because they have to maintain that majority. And when elections are every two years here to, to, to deal with the House, um, you know, that's something that you have to understand and have to work with, you know, sort of really being able to, to think um, at that intersection of politics and policy, I think, um, is something that has, has served me well um, in this position um, yeah. and in our efforts here um, on behalf of the city and in Virginia. The Alexandria Times encourages all residents to get the COVID-19 vaccine. The city is currently offering open vaccine appointments, so visit the City of Alexandria's website at alexandriava.gov vaccines to schedule an appointment today. For more information about the vaccine, visit the city's website or the Virginia Department of Health website, vdh.virginia.gov. Protect yourself and your community. Give it a shot. Yeah, I, I want to delve a little into the work, I guess, the specific work of what it is entailed during a General Assembly session, because obviously, as you mentioned up top, obviously, there's the General Assembly session, and there's kind of the off, quote unquote, off season, which off is when season. you're when you're still doing quite a bit of work anyway. But uh, during during a General Assembly session, what is the environment and what is the work like because every time i see you kind of talking to city council or reporting in from from a, a general assembly session it seems like you just came in from a hurricane i don't know if that's an accurate assessment of what it's like you said it was unrelenting so maybe a little bit but what is the actual 
What is it like working one of those sessions? Is it just kind of nonstop? Yeah, absolutely. It is nonstop all the time. So, you know, for, for starters, when it's session, you know, when January, you know, whatever it comes, I think it's January 12th this coming year. Yeah. Um, I pack up my car and, you know, pat my children on the head and, you know, tell everyone I'll see them, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the week. But I, you know, I move down to Richmond. Um, we have a, you know, the city, um, you know, gets me an apartment for the, the, the duration of session. Um, and I move in and I, uh, it's not something that you can do really back and forth. It's something that you really have to immerse yourself in and um, be prepared to be um, sort of checked out um, for the entirety of, you know, at least the session week. So I, you know, leave Sunday night after my kids are asleep, you know, get in the car, drive the two hours to Richmond and, um, and, you know, get ready to start the week. And my days there, especially the first couple weeks of session, my days generally go um, from, I would say, about 6 a.m. until 2 a.m. Wow. Um, okay. And that's, and I, I really don't think I'm being like, I'm over, like <laughs> sure. overstating it, um, you know, to, to, to get ready for the day and to get through the day. It is everything from, you know, looking at agendas for meetings that next day, making sure you know where your bills are on agendas. You know, do you, have you given the right people the things that they need to know about things that you care about? If it's one of your bills, are you prepared to, um, you know, to testify? Do you know where you need to be? Do you know, is, you know, is someone else coming down from Alexandria to come help you testify on a bill? Um, you know, have you done, you know, have I done all my homework? Am I ready to walk across the street? My apartment is like catty corner from the general okay. assembly building. So I, I literally just like run across the street, um, every morning, but am I ready to you know make that run across the street and start the day? And generally I start my day, um, you know, fairly early, you know, and I do the loop around our five members of our delegation. I just, you know, just knock on the door. Hey, you know, and it's their staff. Hey staff, you know, Hey Chris, Hey, you know, Hey, Hey Dave, Hey, uh, you know, Janet, how are you? Is there anything I can do? You know, what's new and exciting? Um, that's usually my lead in what's new and exciting. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, Hey, you know, if there's something I need them to know, bill on the, on an agenda today, you know, here's what you need to know, walk through, but really just that daily touch of I'm here. What can I do to be helpful? Is there anything I need to know? And then it's, it's the, the lather rinse repeat of, you know, going to a meeting room, sitting in a meeting, you know, listening, taking notes, participating, testifying, um, you know, making, doing follow-up, you know, doing all that. And it's just from one meeting to the next, basically for the, the duration of the day. And, um, and that's, you know, that's all day, every day, those first couple of weeks. Um, one of the few things I miss about the Oklahoma legislature is that in Oklahoma, you, the bill filing deadline was like two weeks before session started. So you had two weeks to like digest everything that had been filed and you could like prepare and you knew everything that was going to come up and like things would change. They'd amend stuff, but like Mm -hmm. for the most part, you had most of it down here in Virginia, you can file bills up until, until like two weeks into session. So not only have I read all the bills that have come through, um, you know, to that point, and I've asked city staff for their, you know, subject matter expertise on these bills. Cause like, I can look at a bill and say, Hmm, I think this might have an impact on us, but I don't know the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of it. So I have an amazing group of subject matter experts in the departments who I rely on to give me their thoughts and feelings about legislation and like what the real practical impact of these bills are on, you know, on the city and our ability to deliver a service or to, you know, do our work or, you know, raise revenue or, you know, does it impact our revenue or whatever it is. So we get through the, you know, get through the day of, you know, sitting in meetings, you know, talking with legislators, talking with other liaisons, checking in with other lobbyists. Hey, have you seen this bill? You know, do you have big feelings about this? Like, am I missing something? You know, what do I need to know? Hey, here's what the city cares about this. Hey, Alexandria cares about this. Does Fairfax care about it? Hey, Alexandria cares about this. You know, talking with other folks about, about all that stuff. And then taking that in some actionable fashion to our delegation, should they need to do something about it. Um, But that gets you to like, I don't know, depending on this session, you know, on the, the day of the week, it might get you to 5 p.m., might get you to 7 p.m., depending on how many, how long the meetings are going. And then you sort of get into the, like, the, the after hours part sure. of the job. And that's, you know, 
who do I need to have dinner with to talk about something that's going on? Hey, I know these folks are going to be having drinks at Penny Lane. I'm going to go, you know, wind up there and, oh, just happen to run into them and, you know, talk with them about this thing that's going on. And, um, you know, meeting up with um, you know, folks to, you know, to establish new relationships, to nurture relationships that already exist, to, um, you know, to just go and commiserate and, you know, the camaraderie of it, that when the day is over, you all shake it off and you all sort of, you know, go and decompress and, um, and sort of reset for the, the next day. Like that's a huge part of it. And then when I get back to my apartment, it's okay. What are the agendas for tomorrow? Where are my bills at for tomorrow? What do I need to know? You know, catching up on emails, following up on things, um, you know, getting ready to go march back out and do the, you know, do the work again, lather, rinse, repeat the next yeah. day um, with a whole new set of issues and a whole new set of committees. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, what the week looks like and that's Monday to Friday. <clears throat> and then Friday I, you know, leave as soon as I can after the last meeting. Um, and usually what I do is I haul back to city hall and we have our, what's called our legislative subcommittee meeting. And it's two members of the, of the, of city council and all my fabulous subject matter experts. And we go through the bills and recommend positions, um, mm. to these, the members of the subcommittee. And we say, okay, Hey, here's, you know, here's 50 bills that have popped up that we think have an impact on the city. Um, you know, we think we should support these, oppose these, watch these, fix these, um, what do you think? What's your input? And then that provides me with my additional marching orders, um, you know, for what I do down in Richmond. Um, I can't just decide to take a position on legislation as much as I would like to think um, I, I should or could be able to do that. Um, my, uh, my marching orders are completely um, based on the city's legislative package, um, which are like the, the priorities and the principles that, that council decides or what we are focused on for that coming legislative session. And then the positions that they then approve um, for me to advocate uh, mm -hmm. during when on the bills that sort of come up during session. And so we do that meeting on Friday, I think it's usually Friday at six o'clock. Um, and it's usually in person, although it was, you know, it's, it was virtual um, this year, maybe we'll keep doing that because that was kind of helpful. Um, but uh, and then, you know, go home and hopefully get home in time to put my kids to bed on Friday and, you know, maybe eat pizza because Friday's pizza night at the Taylor house. Um, and then, you know, somehow try and be a productive member of my household um, during the weekend and not focus too much on work, but I'm not so great at that. Um, and then haul, <laughs> yeah. And then haul myself back down to Richmond, you know, on Sunday night again. Um, and, uh, you know, there's ebb and flow to session, you know, the first couple of weeks are very intense when work is going through committees. Um, you know, once you get to floor work, when sort of all the, you know, all the sausage has been made and all the, you know, all the kinks have been worked out of stuff, the, the floor work is, is, is less um, intense. And then when things cross over to the other body and you get back to doing another round of committees and another round of, um, of work on stuff, you know, sort of it ramps back up. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there are short years when we just do policy and there are long yep. years when we do policy and a budget and, and um, you know, budget years are longer, 15 whole days longer. Um, and, uh, and so there's that extra, you know, angle of, of, of working on a budget for the, a biennial budget for the Commonwealth, um, making sure that we feel like, you know, if there are things that we need money for that we've put our two cents in that we're making sure that things that we, um, have traditionally had sort of partnership with the Commonwealth on that uh, they are funded appropriately. Um, and we're really lucky too, because we also have, um, you know, there's a lot of folks who've come in and through Alexandria that work in various parts of the administration. I mean, the, the secretary of public safety, you know, Brian Moran, you know, is an Alexandrian, the chief of staff to the governor, Clark Mercer is an Alexandrian. Um, you know, there's the, 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 the director of the, uh, Department of Community and Housing Development, Eric Johnson, is a, is an Alexandrian. Like we have lots of friends in lots of places, um, and uh, and so you know engaging with them and working with them um, on the work that we do, finding ways to you know partner with them, and but again being smart about how we utilize them and and not you know not wasting you know our um, our opportunities um, is a huge part of, you know, of, of my sort of the strategy piece of how I do what we do, you know, the, the legislative package is great. Um, and it's really important, but figuring out how then to, um, to, to execute it, 
um, you know, that strategic piece of it is, you know, something that, that shifts on the daily, um, sure. and is something that, you know, that is, you know, the bulk of, of my time down there, you know, pushing the stuff that we, that we need, um, you know, talking about the stuff that we want and, um, and pushing back on things that we think are problematic for the city, um, playing defense, um, is a huge part of it too. And, um, and it's, you know, it sounds ridiculous. Um, and it is, um, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think about how much, you know, how many meals I eat from CVS or Seven Eleven, um, <laughs> and, and it just, it's, it's not healthy. Um, but, uh, but it's really, it's, it's really great work with really great people and it wouldn't be any, you know, any, it wouldn't be worth it if it wasn't any fun. And it certainly is. So I'm very much looking forward to this session being back in person, um, you know, being back in the peopling, mm-hmm. uh, part of it, you know, this is a relationship business and, you know, being able to be back in person, um, I'm really excited about. So as you mentioned, like Alexandria specifically has a, a reputation and, and it is known as an extremely progressive community. I'm sort of curious because obviously Virginia did get hit with a blue wave. And so the Democrats are now the majority. Uh, but even within that majority, Alexandria tends more left than, than many of them. Um, how do you, I guess, go ahead kind of with that legislative package that you have, no, obviously knowing that many city councilors' positions and much of the city's positions are hyper progressive and hyper liberal, how do you, how did you approach kind of tackling it from the city's sort of hyper progressive perspective while understanding essentially you're going to have to compromise on some of this stuff? I mean, I think a lot of it is is just that it's the idea that that these are these are not true false questions. Yeah. Um, and that these are things that will take time and that incrementalism is not bad. Um, and that, you know, and that progress is progress. And, um, and for, for me, I think one of the things that's, that's been very interesting is that, that by taking some of the, in the, in the new general assembly, um, you know, our city has taken several positions, um, because of the sort of more progressive nature of our city council, um, that have put me in the room on the work of some issues that I might not have been in the room to influence, um, but for our position. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we've taken positions on collective bargaining, um, sort of practical positions, um, that, you know, if this is going to happen, um, you know, let's have it happen with us and not to us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think collective bargaining was one of those issues. I think qualified immunity reform was one of them. Um, the community policing review board, um, uh, debate was one that we were, um, and I think uh, even marijuana uh, legalization, um, that we understood that it was probably going to happen. And so while I don't know if we actually took technically took a position on marijuana legalization, but yeah. what we did was we said, okay, if this is going to happen, this is the piece of it that we really care about and that we have big feelings about, and we want to make sure get addressed in the legislation that we're working on. Um, so I think part of it is is taking strategic positions in order to position yourself to be a part of the conversation. Um, but I think also, you know, as as much as as elected officials in general, you know, are 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 partisan and have a an ideal mm-hmm. um, scenario. I think a lot of them really at their core are practical um, about the and understanding, you know, how this is all gonna um, going to happen. And so part of my job is to is to explain to them the process piece of it and how just because we have a a democratic uh you know trifecta in in Richmond doesn't mean we're going to get everything we ever wanted um and so my job not only is to advocate for their their positions but also to help temper their positions or at least temper mm-hmm. their expectations. Um, and I always joke that I'm a wet blanket, um, that you know I'm the one who says, well yes but and I, I don't say no. I never say no. I like to say yes but um, because these are positions that are important for our community. They are positions that are important for the people who elected the members of our city council. Um, and so they are positions that are that are important to take. My job is to sort of say yes but and understand that that there may be a different a, there may be a different path to achieving the same goal or there may be a longer path for achieving the exact goal that you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and here's how we get there and making sure that council knows sort of how I do what I do and and how we're how we're getting what we're getting um is is really really important um to it because um I think it helps them be more accountable to the community um on the political side 
And I think it helps us as the city be more accountable to the community on a sort of governmental side to explain how it is, you know, we are doing what we're doing, how we're achieving what we're achieving, why we're not achieving certain things, um, either for process reasons or political reasons or whatever they are. Um, but part of my job is to, is to be, um, I think, pretty clear about that. Um, in order for everyone to understand how it works. I, I like to operate in the no surprise zone. I like to know um, as much as I can know about what I'm getting into um, when I get into it. You know, I show mm -hmm. up in a meeting, when I show up to testify, um, you know, I, you know, I, I, it may not be going the way I'm going to go. I like it to go, but I know like what the likely outcome is going to be. And I think it is, you know, it, that's my job for council. That's my job for the community is to say, this is something we care very deeply about. Um, but here's why it's taking time for us to accomplish these things. And listening to you talk about sort of some, well, most of the work that you do here in the city, it's obviously much like anything, I think anything involved with working for local government or in local government or alongside local government, a lot of it is very much about like what you were doing for the community, for other people on behalf of the community, on behalf of other people. For you personally, I guess, what do you feel like you have gotten out of coming back to Alexandria and working in this capacity? Because I know you mentioned obviously before you 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 moved to San Francisco kind of with, with your ex-husband or, or for something that he was doing and then you kind of moved to Oklahoma for other reasons. The move to Alexandria was really driven by what you wanted to do. What, I guess, so what has driven you, I guess, through all of this and what do you feel like you've gotten out of the work you've done here in the city? Uh, that's a really, really, really good question. And I think for me, um, you know, when I went back to work, um, I was very lucky in that when my, um, when my oldest was born, I could, you know, sort of work from home and I did some consulting and things, but I was, I was home with him, you know, for, for most of his, um, early, um, earliest years. And when my second um, kid was born, um, I got the opportunity to work in the General Assembly in Oklahoma or the, the legislature in Oklahoma. And I, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a full, a working full-time working mom. I wasn't sure it was something I could do. Um, but I, um, I was like, well, let's try it out. Let's see how this goes. But I, and I think this job here in Alexandria for me is something that I come home every day feeling like the time that I spent away from my family was time that was well spent. Mm. Um, it was time that made a difference. It was time that is, is helping someone is, you know, is, is doing good work is, you know, is making this community that we have chosen to be a part of um, better. Um, it is making the Commonwealth as a whole better. And so I think that for me is what I get out of, um, out of this work here in Alexandria is that the work of local government is really work that you can see and feel very quickly. Um, and that you can see and feel on a daily basis. And when you make a change to it, you can see and feel the changes um, fairly um, immediately um, when they happen. And the other thing too, is I get to work with so many different kinds of people, people from all across the community, people from, you know, from who, who's the issues that are very, very dear and close to them that I can help them um, figure out how to, how to address those, um, you know, those issues and those concerns and those problems and, and, all, and, and that piece of it. Um, that also to me is to be able to use this weird area of expertise that I have, this process thing, this communications and messaging and politics and policy, this weird little niche thing that I've got going on that I can use it to help somebody else solve a problem that they're you know, that they're uh, dealing with in their neighborhood, in their, with their business, in their, um, you know, in their school, in their community, with their family. Um, you know, that to me is very, very satisfying. And the fact that, I, again, that I get to work on so many different issues is very satisfying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, it's never the same thing twice. I mean, when I'm marching around the General Assembly in, you know, in Richmond, I'm talking about sewers and scooters and, um, <laughs> and flooding and, you know, and domestic violence and animal cruelty and, you know, and, uh, you know, buses and, you know, minimum wage and voter access and, um, you know, energy efficiency and, you know, local tax structure. I mean, it is, it is 
all things to all people. And, you know, it sort of feeds my, um, you know, feeds my need to, to be in, to be constantly uh, simulated, my intellectual curiosity to learn about things that I don't already know about. Um, but I think that combination of all the things, you know, really makes, um, you know, when I can come home and, you know, sort of try to explain what it is that mommy does to, you know, a 10 year old, an eight year old and a six year old, um, you know, when they, you know, I feel like the time spent away is, is time well spent, you know, that to me is, uh, is, is what makes it, um, this gig such a great gig. Definitely. I, I mean, you've sort of given me a, a very natural, uh, segue into the, the, I guess, sort of the, the concept that we always end our show on, which is, uh, we have the guest from the previous show ask our current guest a question, not knowing who they are, sort of a, a kind of a cross community conversation going on. Obviously, the last guest of our show was uh, Adriana Shellhaus, who's the executive director of Casa Chiralagua, doing yes. a lot of great work. Um, Amazing work in this community. Definitely. Uh, and it's only become more valuable since the pandemic. Uh, and her question is one I think that uh, many of us are thinking about now that that things are start of, start, starting to kind of reopen and restrictions are starting to ease up. Uh, her question was, what is one new thing that you want to do post pandemic? Um, and I'm sure you have many ideas about what you want to do. I do. I have lots of things that I want to do post pandemic. Um, I, had a I think we who, all have a list we've sort of compiled over the last year. Exactly. And um, but I think there's um, there's kind of two um, you know, two things for me and they're okay. both quite frankly, like pretty selfish. Um, and I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time this past year, you know, like, uh, dealing with, you know, virtual school and, you know, kids, yeah. you know, working while also managing kids. And like, I feel like, you know, this is kind of a time to come up with a couple of things that are, you know, kind of just for me and to my two things. And one, and one is important and one is frivolous. Um, but one is I, um, I really want to run, uh, a half marathon Okay. And, um, I've never run a half marathon before. I'm like, I run, but I've never run more than 10 miles. Um, I am, I am not convinced I could ever run a full marathon. Although the mayor keeps convincing me that, oh, it's once you get to 13, <laughs> like 26 is no big deal. And I'm not buying that. Um, but yeah, running a half marathon is, is something that's on my to-do list. And I actually am registered for one in September. Oh, um, nice. so hopefully, um, that'll, you know, that'll be, um, on my, that'll actually be checking that box. The other thing is I, um, I really want to take my family on a road trip. Um, you know, we, I traveled a lot as a kid. Um, my parents were school teachers, so we had the entire summer off and we sure. did long summer vacations, you know, from drive from Connecticut to Washington state and back or drive from oh, Connecticut wow. to Texas and back. And so I never traveled internationally as a kid. Um, but I traveled, I, I've been to 48, you know, contiguous U.S. states. Wow. And I think the experience of really experiencing the United States and communities across the, the United States, I think that is as much of a, of an education, um, as it, as going to Paris or, you know, or, you know, Rome or any of those places are. Um, and so I really want to do sort of one of those kinds of road trips with my family. I want to get, I want to, you know, get a pop-up camper and go away for, you know, two or three weeks, um, you know, go to Yellowstone, go to, you know, uh, the Badlands, go to the, um, you know, all the places that I remember as a kid as being just so, um, so impactful, um, and really getting to experience these places, you know, eating, uh, you know, eating lunch in small, you know, restaurants yeah. along the way, um, you know, uh, you know, camping and, you know, sort of really getting to experience communities across the, across the, um, the country. Like, I think those are the two things that I'm really, um, really, uh, looking forward to in this coming year. My third was going to be get Botox. Um, <laughs> but it's just cause I had these lines in the middle of my forehead, my, what the heck lines? I call them my legislative oh, yeah. lines. <laughs> what, what are they doing? Um, so maybe, maybe Botox is third, okay. but definitely those first two are on the list, run a half marathon and take my kids on a road trip. What is the question that you have for our next guest? Not knowing who they are. So I have been parsing this and I have just been like, I, again, I've come up with funny ones and frivolous ones and, you know, deep ones and thoughtful ones, but I really sort of think back to, you know, the, the question you said, you know, what, you know, where did this all come from? And my sort of not really knowing where it all comes from. Um, and, but knowing that, um, 
you know, that there was sort of that middle school, high school me who sort of didn't know exactly what they wanted, but sort of had some ambition and some, um, you know, some, you know, interest in this thing that you weren't quite sure what it was and you didn't really, you know, understand it, but, you know, people kept giving you little clues. What I'd like to know from the next person is if you could talk to middle school you or high school you, what would you tell them? And I don't want like, you'll be okay or things yeah. get better. Like, um, like what would you say to, to, to middle school or high school you that you think would have been what you needed to hear that would been, have been like authentically comforting um, to that you in that time? I love that. I have so many things that I would have told, that I would tell myself back in high school and middle I school. Know. Like none of this matters. <laughs> exactly. Your AP, your AP score. Nobody's ever going to ask you what your AP score was. Like, yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's uh, been a pleasure talking with you and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Like just the idea that you would include me in what is a really like uh, incredible group of people. And that, you know, I, when I moved from Oklahoma, um, you know, I used to get called the most influential Oklahoman nobody'd ever heard of. Um, and I was pretty cool with that. Like the idea of being like in quietly influential is sort of like, w w you know, what I love to do, but the idea that, you know, you would include me in this group, I think is just really flattering and, and I appreciate it very much. And, um, you know, really thank you for the opportunity. Of course it was a no brainer. Uh, thank you. And, uh, thank you, Alexandria. Take it easy.